them back to the main room. There we go. And um, we'll welcome William, and we're excited to hear what you have to do today. Cool. Thank you, Cherie. Thank you for the kind words. Um, yeah, I'm going to say good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, because I think we've got people from all over the world and all different time zones here today. Um, thank you for making, uh, you know, taking time out of your Saturday to come and listen to me. I am going to present some slides. Uh, I think I went a little slide heavy. I think I've got all of 11 slides for us to look at. Let me just see if I've got everything coming up there. Now I need to bring my Zoom back up. There we go. Can everybody see something that says Team Dialogue? Yes, we can. And um, just for everyone who's on the call, you were muted upon entry, but you do have the ability to unmute. So if you have a question, feel free to ask. Um, just keep yourself mute when you're not talking. That way, any background noise will be minimum. Cool. Thank you. Okay, let's see. Can I advance the slides? Uh, yes, we can. Cool. So, uh, seeing that we're all on the call, what I'm going to ask you to do is in Zoom chat, if you want to put one thing that you are thankful for at the moment, let's just put that in there and see what shows up for all of us. And I'm just trying to get to the chat myself. I see a lot of family in there. Health. Oh, nice. Thank you. And to be alive. My daughter Pooja, I love the name. Yeah, this is extraordinary times we're living in. Yeah, thank you all for putting those in there. Oh, and the ability to grow professional and, and personally. Yeah, great. Okay. And this, well, that face you see on the right-hand side, that's normally how I look when people ask me to talk about myself. Um, it's not my favorite subject. Sheree uh, already did a whole bunch of these things. So I'm a professional coach. I'm an agile coach. Um, I come from a software development background, um, doing a whole bunch of, of things you know, over time. Uh, currently, I'm doing a lot of leadership development and doing agile uh, at more transformational at enterprise level. And I'm also part of the Team Catapult faculty. But more about that later, you'll just see the, the logos on the, on the slides as I'm going through. Um, and part of why I put that in here is I learned about structural dynamics, which is face-to-face -face communication through Team Catapult. Um, Marsha Acker introduced me to uh, to this concept and actually these models that I'm going to be sharing with you today. Um, and I'm just going to say at the beginning, all models are wrong and some of them are useful. Uh, that's kind of how I view it then. You know, they've all got some flaws in them um, 
and just hold them lightly. Uh, look at them as lenses to look at the world. Um, and we just make different sense of different things at different times. So we've got, I'm looking, how many people do we have on the call, Sheree? Looks like we have about 16 right now. So enough for okay. breakout rooms. Yeah, for two breakout rooms. So yeah, we're not going to be in the breakout rooms very long. We're only going to do it twice. Um, so part of why I want to use breakout rooms is we just gonna we need some conversation to talk about. So let me move us on to the next slide. So the activity here is just going to be we're going to put you in two breakout rooms, and I'm going to give you eight minutes. And what I want you to do is just plan a party. Go into the breakout room and plan a party. The only, the only thing I'm gonna ask when you're in there busy planning the party is make sure everybody's voice is heard. Okay, everybody good with the instructions? We are also gonna let the Zoom guards help you to get into the breakout rooms. For those of you that feel you don't want to go in the breakout room, you're welcome to stay in the main room. That's okay as well. Um, but I, I would advise you to go into the breakout rooms and meet the other people there. See which really cool party you can plan for us. Okay. All right. You should have received an invite to the breakout room. I got an invite and then it seems to have disappeared. Uh oh. All right. It may have just popped behind another window for you, David. Yeah. But I can send you another one. Okay. Did you just get another one? No. And I'm moving windows around. Oh, no, I do not want to leave meeting. I'm going to minimize and then bring it back. Bummer. All right, let's see. Um, I don't know how to get that to you. Uh, let me throw you into another break room and see if it gives you one when I move you. Okay. Did it give you anything? No, this is weird. I saw it flash up for a sec and then it, it went away. Why don't you just jump out and then jump back in to the meeting and then I'll assign you. Shut down, restart. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Thanks, David. I don't, that's happened to a couple of people before and I don't know how to, how to regenerate an invite. Yeah, I've also run into that once or twice. Um, and it's normally, it's um, the window pops up and they click somewhere and it goes behind it uh, when they have a lot of windows open. But yeah, yeah it's, oh, there we go, David's coming back. All right, I just sent, just sent it again. Oh, he's calling in. Uh, okay. Oh, we'll probably have the same issue. Yeah.
Okay, good. You got it. <laughs> okay. I have turned the recording back on. Uh, cool. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody. I think everyone is now back. Excellent. How did it go? How, how did those party plans work out? A lot of great ideas. Nice. Any good drinks, uh, new cocktails that popped up? We said we'll um, plan, we'll come up with the cocktail recipes and then all of us are going to make that same cocktail and we'll drink it together on a virtual Zoom. Oh, I love it. Nice. I love the creativity that always comes out of these discussions. So uh, here was my intention behind you doing this activity because we are now going to take a lens of what's called the, the Cantor four-player model. So on the next slide, I'll give you some of the background where this comes from. Uh, so this guy, David Cantor, uh, created this model on dialogue. And he was I'm trying to think what, oh, he was a, a counselor, as, they all, as all good model builders are. Um, and he was looking for people that were going to have conversations in like a high stakes environment. And he was working at Harvard at the time. And he asked, uh, young married couples, because I mean, their marriage was at stake. So that's kind of what put them into high stakes. And in those days, this was like back in the 60s, they would literally put recordings, they would ask people permission. People would say yes, and then they would put these recording recorders in all the different rooms. And whenever they walk in, they just ask them to you know, just hit record, and then they can do whatever they do. And he had people who was typing it all up. And then he would read through all the conversations. And that's how he created the following model that I'm now going to uh, reveal to you. Uh, and that's how he created this. So in this model, he was saying they, there's four uh, conversational actions that happen. And the first one is called a move. It starts the conversation. It's like somebody saying, let's go get pizza. Okay. The next thing that happens is not happens, but could happen was sometimes there's a opposed with where somebody would go, uh, I want to go get sushi instead. So it's still in that direction, but it kind of shifts it a little bit. The third one is called a follow. That would be somebody that say that will either go, yes, let's do pizza or they can go, yes, let's do sushi. So they can follow the move or the oppose. Okay. And then the next one is called a bystand. This is where somebody does a neutral uh, information that they bring into the conversation. And this could be, oh, so it's lunchtime. And it's just a piece of information that came in. And the pieces that's important here is without a move, you don't have a direction in conversation. Without an oppose, there's no correction or getting something to be better. A follow is something where if nobody follows any of the moves that came up in the conversation, you're never going to get anything completed. There's going to be no real action out of the dialogue. And last but not least, without a bystand, there's no perspective because it kind of brings that neutral thing in. And something to remember, these four actions are actually spoken words. Like if you're just thinking in your head, oh, it's lunchtime, 
that's not a bystand. That's just you thinking it. Okay. So I just want to bring that out. But if you said it out loud and the other people heard it, that's when it's a bystand. So now think back a little bit at the conversation you just had about planning your party. Just try and recall in your mind, who were the people who were doing the moves? Who were setting the direction of the conversation? Okay. And now think a little bit about who were the people that were opposing or bringing different opinions into the conversation. Okay, just recall that a little bit. And were there people that were willing to, to take that move or opposes further to continue the conversation when you were planning the party? Who were ready to mix the drinks? Okay. I don't know if any bystands show up, but think a little bit about, was there somebody that was saying things that were just neutral, like, will we have enough? Or what about people that drink non-alcoholic drinks? Things like that. Um, so part, yeah, is we talk about you, you reading what people are saying. So we starting with this model, you pull it out apart, the what people are saying versus the how people are saying it. And sometimes when I'm working with teams and I'm noticing something on the team is not gelling, it's not working. I stop listening to what they are saying and I start concentrating on how they are saying it. I'm trying to see how many moves there are, how many opposes there are, how many follows there are and how many bystands are there. Okay, does this make sense as I keep going with this so far? Okay, and the reason I'm doing that is for on the next slide, we talk about stuck patterns. So teams are, are sometimes getting stuck on something. And here's what I'm noticing. The first one is called courteous compliance. You start seeing a repetition of this. Uh, there's a move and a whole bunch of follows. So in other words, this is a, a lot of times I, I always joke with this one. I will go, you know, I just arrived at a new organization that just brought me in. And it's normally somebody like the CIO is going, we're going to be agile. And everybody says yes. So the CIO is putting the move out there to saying we'll be agile and everybody else is following. There's no oppose, there's no bystands. Does that mean we're going to be agile? Yeah, we may or may not be. Um, so that's the first, just so you, you are looking for patterns to, to see how they show up in the conversation. The next one is what we call serial moving, where you're in a meeting and it feels like the meeting is really busy. There's a lot of ideas popping up, things like that, but none of them are, there's no follows here. It's just new ideas that keep popping up. And we talk about serial moving. You normally walk out of those meetings going, wow, we, we, we've done a lot of talking. And then somebody would say, but we didn't accomplish a lot. Okay, so that's another pattern to notice. The next pattern is called a counterpoint, point counterpoint, where people are stuck and move, oppose, move, oppose. Let's go get pizza. No, we we want sushi and somebody else will go, no, we don't eat sushi. We need to go get a salad. And 
what happens there is there's just point counterpoint. And a lot of times it feels like uh, those, when you watch Wimbledon tennis and you keep your head keeps going like this in the room and you're just seeing the ball go back and forth. Because it is, this is a, what also happens in a, in a debate. People aren't giving up their uh, points of view or their perspectives. Okay. Next one is called a covert oppose. So this one, there's a move that comes out, the direction of the conversation is set. And then there's a follow, but the body language will tell you, or the tone of voice, there's a subtlety that tells you there's actually an oppose, but it's kind of like hidden. That's why it's in parentheses. So you put a follow and then you say, oh, that's an oppose. Or sometimes when people get really skillful at this, and a lot of coaches are good at doing this. There'll be a move and then they'll do a, I'm noticing and they'll say something, but there's sometimes a hidden oppose lying in there. Okay. I'm just picking on coaches because I'm one. Okay. I'm also guilty of this at times. Um, now let's, so I'm going to bring in another model to see how these stuck patterns will help us. In this one, this is work that Otto Sharma did um, in his theory U, this is packed in, in that book. Um, and Bill Isaacs also used it in his book. I've got it at the end of my uh, slides for you. So can you see when my cursor pops up on the screen? Okay, cool, I'm seeing. So I can, let me see if I can use the annotation. Um, oh, annotate, there we go. And I want to use a pen to draw. Just give me a second here. I, so I'm going to draw on the slides for us. So bear with me as I'm working through this stuff. That's a pointer, that's text, that's select, that's a mouse. And I'm just looking for a straight pen. Okay, well, that's not working too well for me. Let's see if I can walk you through it. So. The first quadrant at the bottom left-hand side, it's got that uh, very lightly shaded eye there. This area we talk about, this is politeness. This is the space in dialogue where a lot of monologues happen here. It's like now, it's just me talking. There's not a lot of interaction yet. The conversation is staying whole and it's also non-reflective. So that's kind of why we're down in this quadrant. If you look, if I go back to the stack patterns, which one do you think of these four will show up in, in that first quadrant of politeness? Any guesses? Courteous compliance. Yeah. Yeah, courteous compliance will definitely show up in, in that quadrant, okay? It's also when teams are forming, if you think of the Tuckman model, the forming phase. Then a lot of times what happens is teams get comfortable with each other. And then we talk about the conversation is starting to break up into parts. So that's the, the right-hand side. But we're still at the bottom. We talk about this is the place of breakdown. And we talk about it's me versus you in the conversation. Still non-reflective, but now the conversation is breaking into parts. So now I'm going to go back to those stuck patterns. Which stuck patterns do you think will show up in that quadrant? 
the point counterpoint? Yes, definitely. Maybe the covert oppose? Yeah, covert oppose, yes. Could also be serial moving. Yes, yeah, all of those are correct, yeah. So more and more of these, and sometimes there's a little bit of the courteous compliance as you're getting close to the edge here, but you're all correct. The, the three other stack patterns will, will show up in this quadrant. And a lot of times what happens here is at this point, somebody on the team or in the conversation will go, oh, we need a cool off period or something. So things calm down because they want to go back to that politeness. Okay. And the thing here that Otto Sharma is saying is don't do that because if you keep following the red line, if you can break through the breakdown and you get to the, the third quadrant where we talk about this is the quadrant of uh, inquiry, at this point, it becomes me and you. At this point in the conversation, what's happening here is, um, well, let me go back a little bit and ask you. So when you look at the stuck patterns, what do you think make them stuck patterns? What are you noticing on them? There's no development. No development, yeah. What else are you noticing? Well, they may not be moving in the direction of a, a a good outcome, a specific actionable good outcome. Yeah. I'm going to go back a little more. So bear with me because I've got to do like four clicks here. How many moves, are, how many actions are there in the four player model? Four. Okay. How many are you noticing here in, in these patterns? Four. Well, well, kind of three at the most, there's no, um, there's no bystand in there at all. Yes, yeah. So what makes a stuck pattern a stuck pattern is that some of the actions are missing. If you look at the first one, only two is present. The next one is only, there's only one. Then there's two and like you said, there's only three in, in the covert opposed ones. So what you want to do to get to this inquiry is you want to make sure all when a conversation is occurring that all four the speech actions are happening. And you already noticed which was the one that was missing in all four of them. Well, actually there was one that it's normally a bystander that's not that's not there. So when I started to to work with this model when I was working with teams, all I would do is just sometimes try and do a, a very neutral or non-biased comment. Just so you're bringing in information into the, into the conversation. And that's what a lot of coaches do. That's part of what we're getting trained in. And a lot of times we ask it in the form of, an, of a question, but you can also just make a neutral biased statement non-biased statement, not biased. Otherwise you're going to move them in the wrong direction. Um, and that way for this quadrant to start working is you want to make sure all four of the speech actions are present for that team. And you may be a conduit. And what I normally do is I will educate the team on this model, the four player model, just so they get comfortable with it. 
teach them about the stack patterns and then show them because this um, fields of conversation is actually why are we are we doing this why are we looking at the at how they're talking to each other okay um, and so yeah with me and you it becomes a lot of times people will say oh because we've all got one of those actions in speeches we do more than others sometimes we're always the first person to talk so we 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 do more of a move sometimes we are the person that always tells people what can go wrong so sometimes you get a poser it's not a role that you fit it's just your what you incline to use more in conversations okay and the muscle you want to build is to be able to do all four of those actions if you can do a move and a pose, a follow and a bystand, you can get people in this quadrant of, of inquiry. This is where conversation starts to flow. Now, if you notice, and we keep following the red arrow across into the fourth quadrant, when we get to this point, we talk about it's we, uh, and we're talking about a state of flow. At this point, uh, this is where high-performing teams, we notice these kind of dialogues happening on those teams. Somebody will start a conversation or a, uh, an idea and somebody else will take it further, but it's not like they stop. It's like they just continue doing the second part of the sentence, another person do a third part of the sentence. And all of a sudden it becomes the team came up with the idea, not the individuals on the team. And at that point, it gets to where we talk, that's uh, in dialogue terms, we talk about this is generative dialogue. They will come up with two or three perspectives or viewpoints on something. And through their dialogue, they will build it into a brand new idea or even a third solution to something. Um, and that's why it lives on high performance teams. So us as... Um, people that are focusing on the dialogue, we work in quadrant three and as the teams get better and get to know each other uh, and get comfortable with each other, they will spill over from quadrant three to quadrant four. Okay. At this point, I'm gonna just pause for a second because I've been talking a lot. What questions do you have at this point? So William, Hi, William, oh sorry, go ahead. Can you please give some examples in a Scrum Team for Quadrant Two? In Scrum Team for Quadrant Two, um, what I've noticed on Teams Day is you might have, say, a lead engineer, uh, and then there might be somebody that's your quality assurance person, your QA person, and so. The two of them, one person will talk about how to code it the best way, and another person will talk about what is happening on the, the quality side or they, what are they finding wrong. So the, the lead engineer will, will do the move and the QA person will do the oppose, and you'll sometimes see the move oppose showing up. Or even when they're doing story pointing, um, you know, some person will say, oh, the coding will be so much and the other person will be talking, the QA points will be so much. They're not thinking about the whole story will be how much points that will include both coding and testing. 
Does that help? Yeah, thank you. Yeah. No, you're welcome. Great question. Cool. There were some more questions. William, I had a question. Um, so you mentioned that this can be like similar to like the Tuckman's model, like where the team is kind of going through these. So is it just like in the Tuckman's model, is it true then that you could, as a team or as, a, as two people, you could go into like the inquiry and flow and then kind of regress back again to breakdown? And is that how it's all like, it's not linear, it can go back and forth like that? Is that how it is? Yeah, that is how it happens. And the more you can, if you have long-lived teams, the regression will happen less often and they will start staying more in quadrant three and four. Because quadrant three and four is the places of where collaboration lives. The bottom, it's kind of, you, you still got to help them through it. You've got to do some facilitation to move them past that point. Um, and it's also when uh, team members will leave or join a team, they will shift back and then you've got to help them to cross it. Um, and of course, it depends. Sometimes you get somebody that was really driving the team, like a natural leader on it. Uh, and that person could have hold that space for the team to, to move into quadrant four and be in that high performance place. So that can also have an impact on the team and the dialogue. Any other Thank questions? You. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, great questions. Uh, can you please share uh, some good uh, techniques to move from quadrant two to quadrant three? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, great question, Venka. Yeah, what will happen there is, as you're noticing the stuck patterns showing up for the team, what you want to do, to me, there's normally, there's two things, there's probably more to do, but what I do is make them aware of it so they can see, oh, I'm noticing we've got point counterpoint happening again, you know? So we're just having move opposes. And at that point, because what you're trying to do is get somebody on the team to either follow or to do bystands. When I, when I do start it at the beginning, I, as a coach, may be the person who's doing some more bystanding for them. And then at some point, you want to educate the team on it. So they start doing that themselves. So you don't have to do it. And that will move them over into inquiry. Because an inquiry is where you want them to do moves, follows, opposes, and bystands, and have a good mix of it. And if sometimes you can have a balance on the team in total. And what I've noticed, something just to watch out for is some people may start making those their, their unofficial roles. Like I will always oppose whatever things you brought up because that will get us to a better direction. And sometimes you want to help those people or make them aware of it. They can also be followers at times, or they can also just be bystanders at times. So people learn to do all four of the speech, speech actions. So here, uh, when we say to make them aware, it's like uh, some stating a summary line after some discussion that here we are, uh, that we are like uh, me versus you kind of situation and just nudge them that there is a next uh, stage of me and you 
Is it that like that? Yes. So part of it is I will I'm gonna give um Cherie the PowerPoint my PowerPoint slide so she can share it with all of you. And feel free to share these with your teams. Walk them through this as well so they become aware of it. Um, and you want to take them where, especially if you notice they've got this me versus you conversations happening on, and you want them to move them to the me and you. Um, you can do bystands, you can make them aware of it. You can say, I'm noticing these things are happening. Um, you can also get them to, especially in the me versus you, if it gets really heated, what I sometimes do is first get them to, to just calm down. And then I would ask them, if you were in the other person's shoes, so you're using empathy a little bit here, yeah, and you're also reversing roles, and you get them to say, if you have to, to take that other person's point of view, what would that look like for you? And then you also let the other person do that. So you literally get them to switch. Because all of a sudden then you, you bring empathy in and they might even end up at a third point now that they've looked at the world from each other's viewpoints. Thank you very much, William. No, you're welcome. I've actually seen that um, when I was working uh, with a C-suite, there's one board, uh, it was a chairman of a, of a board, he was really good. Uh, what I liked and, and learned from him was he got everybody to get their budgets ready. And then when they got into the room to propose it to him, he said, everybody, and they were sitting at a round table, he was like, pass your budget to the person to your right. And so everybody did that. So all of a sudden, the head of sales was sitting with a marketing budget. The IT guy was sitting with the sales budget. The sales guy was sitting with the IT budget and they had to defend that budget they had in their hands. So he literally forced them into the other person's shoes. So instead of them infighting, he got them to think about what's best for the company, not what's best for you or your department. And it also, it's a really good thing on how to take people from breakdown to inquiry. Um, hey, William, I have a question. Hmm. And this might be one that other people are experiencing, not sure. So I have a pattern um, on my team. I feel that they're pretty, pretty well developed. Um, I'm seeing a lot of the different moves and, and follows and opposes. Um, but the pattern that I see is that we get into a retrospective. And first off, it's a little difficult for them to kind of get into it because they have, they're a team that have a lot of pride in both their work and their ability to, to work together. And so the first hurdle is to kind of get them to like, there is room for growth. Like we're not actually perfect. <laughs> um, so that takes me about, this is the pattern that I see. So that takes me about 15 minutes to get them to kind of go deep into, um, into even considering that there is room for growth. And then they spend about a half an hour really exploring some good stuff. And then we get about 15 minutes close to the end and they go, oh yeah, but you know, we're such a great team. I mean, it's actually all working really well. And I feel like, <laughs> but, so that's the pattern that I'm seeing. And my question is, um, I kind of have said to them, like, I see a pattern. Um, 
that we, 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 we do this, like we get to the end and we kind of all pat each other on the back and go, yeah, but we're doing a great job. And we don't actually kind of end up with action items coming out. Uh, okay. And so I'm curious, like what you or maybe even other people on the call kind of think about that. Yeah, let's hear from some of the other people. What do you all think? I will also weigh in, but let's kind of, we've got so many good brains in the room here. So when I think of Tuckman, I would say this team is not ready to go to the storming phase. They are still in the forming phase. Oh, okay. That, that's interesting. They, they have been together for a really long time. And, and I would say that, that for yeah. the most part, they, they really are very, I mean, they really are. They're a highly regarded team. Um, and they, they, you know, things come along and, and set them back just a little bit. And they have this really interesting way of working through them and getting past them. One of the things that has worked for me is um, when I've worked with very high performing teams is when they are like, so when you talked about that half an hour, when they actually come up with improvement items that they possibly could work on, like things that they could be better at, uh, maybe you kind of just go with the flow right there and they're like, and you can be like, oh, awesome, this one. Okay, let me put up this post-it. Um, all right, this one and kind of this post-it. And then by the end of this half an hour, you have like maybe five or six action items there already. And then you're like, hey team, what do you think we could choose from here to be like our top action mm. items so that we get even better? And then maybe you have your Kaizen item right then and there uh, for mm -hmm. your next one to work on. So something kind of like going with that flow of the team and kind of just trying to bring them together and having your idea kind of like just helping them um, short list from what they've already discussed and choosing mm -hmm. one from there. Thank you. Yeah, I really see that. I see like they do have ideas, but they don't really articulate them as actions. But if I can help them move it into an action. Yeah, I actually I, I see uh, that. And Andrea, I just facilitated a high performing teams uh, a retro this past week. And, you know, yeah, I came in with you know, from a Scrum Master's perspective, knowledge that yes, they've done it all, they're mature and whatnot. So the question that I pose to the team is if you had a magic wand, what would you do? And mm. just have them um, throw in ideas and you'd be surprised. Oh, they, I they, love that. They think that, oh yeah, we, we've hit everything and we are perfect. They're not, right? Because they, there, there is potential. And sometimes just probing that, that throwing that question at them, you know, with the magic wand, mm -hmm. what have you not explored in that world of possibilities? Okay. That's very cool. Oh my gosh. What a gift. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. I don't want to make this all about my situation, um, uh, but I just really appreciate the feedback. Thank you all. No, you're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing is, uh, it sounds like you can challenge that team, just like um, Elena was saying about the magic wand. You, you know, how might you get better as a, as a team? How high do you want to go? Mm -hmm. um, you know, 
and see, see there's, there's something there that for me, what's coming up is like uh, motivation. It sounds like some of that's in place and just find that a little bit and you can amp it up. It's like, if something is good, sometimes we want to amplify the goodness on the team. You know, what's mm -hmm. really there. It's, or um, Carol Dweck's book on mindset is also good between fix and growth mindset. And then mm -hmm. see how can you get them to really step into that space of growth mindset. Mm -hmm. Great, thank you. Wonderful. Well, you're welcome. Excellent. Well, I'm seeing uh, you guys are, are getting how these things are coming together from the four player model into these fields of conversation. So I am going to ask Cherie to put you into breakout rooms again. Uh, and I'm going to give you 10 minutes and I want you to just talk about the following question. What are you taking away from this talk or from the discussion we're having here? The reason for that is I'm going to put you in the rooms. You're going to talk about it. And then when you come back, just share one or two tidbits. Everybody good with that? Okay. I just want to, ah, there we go. Thank you, Sheree. Invitation, everybody. Would that model be applicable if you're not talking about a team? I'm now th thinking of a group of individuals who happen to work together, but are not definitely not a team. Yeah, I mean, th these two models are all around conversation. Um, and I always tell people, not all models are applicable at all times. Um, so that's where you might look at other lenses. Um, you know, sometimes if people want to highlight things that's blind spots, you use Johari windows or um, uh, I use another model called the integral model where we want to look at things at, at different um, levels and uh, polarities that's there. Um, yeah, so there's a whole, whole bunch of different tools. Um, you know, this is just two more models to put in your toolbox and, and use them when there's conversation that you need to uh, analyze. Thank you. No, you're welcome. All right, everybody is back. Cool. Welcome back. Now for you guys, well, let's first, um, what were some things that came out of the room? Who wants to share some, tip, some tidbits that stood out for them? I, I stepped into the role of a pose and that got us off of a, on a, onto a interesting conversation. So we were, we, we started with the question of, what are some what are some good nuggets that that we should take away? And I said I don't think there are any good nuggets we should take away, and that uh, that that seems to effectively get the conversation kicked off. <laughs> good way to fire it up, Nick. Yeah. I like it. I like it. So he's the provoker. Which stance is that, um, William? The oppose. Yeah. Let's start with an opposition. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. So you just put it into action. Great. What mm -hmm. other insights were there? We just became more aware. Like we said, oh, that was a move. That was a bystander. That was the oppose. So we just became aware of the process versus like the content. Uh, and that's a good thing that you're bringing up there. Um, in some of the organizations where I've worked uh, and I bring these these models and people do start talking like that 
and it's interesting to even see sometimes because I do it at a team level and you see the leaders become really curious about it. Why are you talking about moves and bystands? And then the teams are teaching the leaders and then it kind of starts going into the organizations. So it's always a good sign when that shows up and people start speaking like that. So great. I love it. Anything else anybody wants to share? Well, I can share that I had a really interesting experience in my brain. <laughs> um, so that, that, the thing that Nick was speaking about, the oppose. So, you know, it was like, well, what, what did we, what's the thing that we took away from this? And Nick's oppose, uh, well, you know, we shouldn't take anything away from this. No gold nuggets. I just kind of could observe my brain like, like moving into a different mode. And I described it as like, you know, screeching it to a halt and then slamming it in reverse, like, you know, and, but it was, it really brings a lot of depth to the conversation because it causes you to have to look at things from a different perspective. And so uh, that was really an interesting experience to have had. And I, and I thank Nick for that. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, it is. A lot of people, there's a negative connotation to somebody saying, oh, you're doing an oppose. And it isn't. It brings correction. Or sometimes it leads you into a better place, but it's needed. So that's kind of why it's, it's important to do that. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, I'm not going to belabor this. I will say thank you all for sharing with each other and for sharing back with us in the big group. Uh, I am almost down to my last slides here. I just want to say, if you want to learn and get deeper into these models, there's two books I recommend. The first one is called Reading the Room by David Cantor. It explains the Cantor four-player model, and there's actually two more models that he fits on top of it, which is in the book. Uh, the other book is called Dialogue, The Art of Thinking Together by William Isaacs. And that's where that fields of conversation, uh, the work from Otto Sharma comes out of that book. I also highly recommend that book. Um, and these two will kind of put you on a good trajectory for um, being an expert in conversations and holding space for conversation to happen. And not just any conversation, but generative dialogue. Okay. The next one I want to say, because you all held out with us so long, is there's a free white paper on agile leadership that we've got on our team catapult page. I am going to be emailing Cherie uh, the PowerPoint and then she'll share it with you. Feel free if this is something that is of interest for you. If it isn't, that's okay as well. Just something for you to look at. Um, and then last but not least, just stay in touch with me. If you've got any more questions or just want to see, I am not a prolific writer yet. At some point, I'll get to have time and actually write more articles around these things. Uh, but you can reach me at that email and there's my LinkedIn and my Twitter handle. And I want to say thank you, everyone. I'm going to hand it back to Cherie so uh, she can take us in and close us up. Let me stop sharing. All right, everybody. I just placed... Um, 
two links in the box for you. One is the Monday night coaching circles. Remember, those are the free coaching circles where we come together and um, practice more on our professional coaching skills um, and then um, get to actually practice with real clients and real scenarios. So then that way you're you're learning. And the second link I put in there is for the Best Agile Articles Conference, September 28th. And again, you can, um, that conference is on a Monday, September 28th. It's, um, I think it's from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Central. And there's several talks who will be there. And um, it's a good investment. It's $25. So not very expensive, but you get a lot of value and get to interact in person with the speakers. So um, we're excited to have you and thanks for joining. Um, and we look forward to seeing you back um, at our next, our next event. And that next event, as a reminder, is going to actually be next Saturday, September um, 5th. And it's going to be um, presented by Arushi Bardwaj. I'm pronouncing that with a French accent, so I'm pretty sure that's wrong. Um, and it's going to be about a uh, coding dojos. So Arushi mm -hmm. um, leads coding dojos at um, at in at her employer, and um, I'm not sure if she's going to disclose the employer or not. That's why I kind of hesitated there. Um, so she leads coding dojos there, and she's joining to be able to uh, to help you learn more about that. So happy to um, see you there. And don't forget to tell others about the meetup. Shuri, I yeah. have a question for you. Yes.